Welcome to a, another episode of Dollar Store Cinema with your host, Thomas. <laughs> this month's movie is Beckman, and it is David A.R. White's attempt at uh, him being an action star, and it was rough. <laughs> it was... Um, around 90 minutes but it felt long which is never good um so it's about Aaron Beckman who is uh, a hitman like he he takes care of problems um and even from the jump like you see that they're trying to do something different with the cutting between time periods and uh it's it doesn't work. It really doesn't. So he starts off, uh, you see him talking to this old dude. I don't even think we ever got the old dude's name. Uh, and he's talking about there's, there's no way out, um, of like what they're doing. You see somebody disposing of a body behind him. Um, and then you see Aaron Beckman played by David A.R. White of Jesus man fame. <laughs> uh, he also helped found Pure Flix Entertainment, which is uh, who actually produced this film, um, distributed by Universal, which is a big deal, but it is weirdly not rated. Um, that's stupid to me. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't get a rating, um, especially since you were uh, distributing thing Universal, which is a big company. Anyways. Before I continue, my friend Diamond will explain more about the rating system. So a movie being unrated or not rated just means that the producer didn't submit that version for the rating. So there are like some director's cuts, things like that, that are unrated or not rated. Um, the producer doesn't legally have to submit a movie to the MPAA. Um, movies don't have to legally be submitted to it, but most theaters will not show a film that is unrated, not rated, or NC-17. So you can exhibit it, it's just going, not going to be in a mainstream theater. Um, he talks about his, I guess, partner or like a person that he was close to, Warner Hayes. Uh, he's quoted as saying he's the closest thing he has to the brother. Um, Warner's whole thing is like, yo, you need to get out. You need to be free. Um, and they're part of, <laughs> they're part of, uh, the network, which is like a hitman syndicate. Uh, throughout this movie, I really felt like, uh, David A. R. White was trying to be on his like taken or like John Wick energy. Um, and there's so many different, <laughs> uh, parallels I'll say, uh, but like with diminishing returns, obviously. Um, <laughs> so we see this, uh, fight scene between him and, uh, Warner and it's just not, it's not good. Um, and I, I give him props for trying something different. Cause like a lot of times the pure flicks films is either persecution porn with those guys, not dead movies or like his family badly green screened. TV shows on his network um, 
but yeah so they're trying to do this fight sequence and like the editing I feel like if the editing was sharper then it wouldn't look as bad but throughout this movie I felt like time and time again you could sort of see in the actors where they're like all right it's your turn all right it's your turn all right we gotta and three like it it felt very rehearsed um but not like it's seamless more of just like they're trying not to to hurt each other which makes sense um with like a lower budget but like I feel like investing in stuntmen would have definitely helped uh this movie out and honestly like I I get that this movie probably wouldn't have been made if David wasn't the lead actor but like having another lead actor uh would have made this this movie a lot better (laughs) they they had this one shot where Warner and Beck, Beckman, uh, they shoot at each other. Like, they both move out of the way and they shoot right next to their ears. And anybody who knows movies uh, and just reality, like, if you shoot by somebody's ears, your hearing's going to be affected. But they just kept fighting like nothing happened. Uh, that happens a couple times in the movies. Somebody gets shot in the stomach and... He's walking like normal. <laughs> uh, what else happens? Um, so his man gets murdered. And he's running away. Um, and he sees this church. So he runs into this church. And this pastor is praying. Um, and we don't get his name until way later. But it, his his name is Reverend Phillips. Um, and the Reverend is praying. Talking about... Um, this medicine versus the church. Um, and then later he's saying, uh, sooner or later it's going to be the medicine versus the house, which implies that like he has some disease and needs this very expensive medicine. And lo and behold, David R. White, uh, is at the doorstep. He comes in there with a quarter mil. Uh, he's like, yo, I just need some place to hide out. Whoop de whoop, whatever, whatever. They start talking. And then you see, this reverend who just was praying to God and he just said, uh, oh, this medicine is mad expensive. And then he, he, he says, I believe this was from you, God. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is going to answer his, his, uh, problem. He needed money and the medicine's mad expensive. David R. R. White comes in with a quarter mil. This man burns the money. Like, you see him throwing money into the fireplace. I'm like, what's this nigga doing? Like, I I couldn't believe it. And he didn't even really give, like, a good idea. Like, you just see a scene where David Arrow White's character is like, well, why'd you take me in if it wasn't for the money? And he's like, I had my reasons. And it just cuts to another scene. I'm like, nigga, what are you doing? Like, I don't care if it's blood money or not. Like, the scriptures say the wealth of the... We could have stored up for the righteous. I would have, t- <laughs> I would have took that as a, as a sign. Be like, ooh, thank you, God, for coming in the clutch. <laughs> Instead of just burning money, like that don't make no sense. So, anyways, because my nigga <laughs> burnt up the money, you see that nigga on his deathbed, and then that nigga dies. <laughs> you know, I just kept thinking, I'm like, man, if this reverend, who I still feel like didn't have a good enough reason, if that nigga didn't just I don't know, 
spend some of that money on medicine he clearly needed, that nigga still would have been alive, but I guess the movie wouldn't have happened like that or whatever. I don't know, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> uh, before he dies, Reverend Philip basically explains he was in the military and he caught like 11 bodies and he felt guilty about it. He was like, yeah, they gave me a medal for it, but like he felt like empty inside and a nigga was like, I guess, asking God for forgiveness for um, taking these people's lives, which I think is a is a interesting uh, change, especially for uh, these so-called Christians that are very war minded. Um, but we don't really get any more of that because that nigga dies. And now you see uh, Beckman have to become the uh, preacher. It like literally this is one of the many time jumps. This is one year later and he's on this pulpit and then nigga gets pissed and he's just talking about how God knows what you've done. And you could tell that the sermon's real weak because you see niggas leaving. <laughs> and then there's a <laughs> he he's sort of like at the end of his rope right and you see um this black parishioner named abigail um you don't get her name until like the very end of her arc (laughs) um and she's trying to like talk him out of not leaving and she's like you're a good man and you're a good pastor meanwhile we have no evidence that he's a good pastor uh and then they do another time jump it literally says another year later and you see this girl show up at uh the doorstep sort of similar to like Beckman's character and she's looking for her uncle and uh Beckman's like yo your uncle died like a year ago fam and you see she's in a bad way it looks like she's clearly running from something and she might be on drugs um and he accepts her jumps a year he is now her father like it it's (laughs) it's shown that he's adopted her and uh she starts playing this song on a uh guitar like after his sermon and the sermon was much better and he's in a suit now so you know it's serious (laughs) um i don't know this this movie just was it (sighs) it could have been better if there was like certain changes made and I kept saying, I was like, man, David A.R. White, God bless him. But like, he's not a good enough actor to pull this off. And I get trying to go outside of your comfort zone and expanding your palette or whatever, but like, he's not an action star. He's, he's not that dude. And even if he was, the character is also just a terrible hitman. So we, <laughs> we see randomly, Billy Baldwin shows up, who's uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's uh, brother, and I think he's the only good, like, actor in this. You could tell he was in movies before, <laughs> before like, it, at Hollywood, and not just, like, I don't know, passion plays or whatever, because he's acting circles around these niggas. He shows up with his goons, and he's like, hey... Uh, he talks real weird too. We find out later that this nigga's like a cult follower. And he's like, hey, my daughter, you need to come back. Uh, we're not done. You thought you could get away from me, whoop de whoop, whatever, whatever. And <laughs> David A.R. White is like, yo, 
leave them alone. They don't got nothing to do with this. Back up. And he has a gun pulled on him. Like, he's like aiming at his head. And he keeps trying to like lounge forward. And the nigga with the strap is doing nothing. He just keeps saying, back up. What are you going to do, preacher man? Back up. And I'm thinking, okay, we about to get like our first real like scene where we're going to see Beckman like really do work, steal the gun from him, have like a firefight or whatever. We don't get none of that. (laughs) Beckman gets punked out. His girl gets kidnapped. His daughter, Abigail, gets kidnapped. And then they kill, uh, no, his daughter's name, not Abigail. What's her name? Her name is Tabitha. Uh, Abigail is an old black lady. They don't do a good job. (laughs) Um, Tabitha has to leave with the dude because Beckman doesn't do anything. And then they kill Abigail by like gumbutting her to her head. And I'm like, yo, Beckman literally just saw his, his daughter get kidnapped and his only friend from that church get murdered and he ain't do nothing. Another cutscene. This nigga, <laughs> he say he coming back with a vengeance. He tracks down one of the goons and he got like automatic weapons on deck. Knocks down the door with the strap and is like, yo, where is he? And it doesn't really matter what the, the goons' names are, uh, but we get them like in spurts. <laughs> and so the whole movie is basically him just trying to track down uh, the person who kidnapped his daughter, which was Billy Baldwin. And so a lot of stuff happens uh, where you see more bad fight sequences. Uh, you're introduced to these characters that don't really matter. Um, there's a curly head kid. Like the the way they set this up was not good at all. There was this curly head kid named Tom who was in the church service recording uh, Tabitha playing the guitar. And apparently he worked at a restaurant where one of the goons worked and he's trying to like get girl advice, shows a video of the uh, girl playing the guitar. And then that's how they figure out where she is. It's really stupid and not well written whatsoever. But yeah, this movie wasn't good. I feel, (laughs) I feel bad, but like I'll say the soundtrack wasn't bad. I'll say that. I'll give props to that. Um, you could tell like the actors were really trying. Um, but yeah, you could just tell it was a, it was a lower budget movie, which isn't surprising me, but I thought they would like invest more money when you have your properties be like God's not dead, which the trilogy has made like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like I would, I want to have more competent audio mixing. I had to turn on the subtitles to like understand what some of these characters were even saying. And then like the lighting, it just looked, it looked dark. Um, and not like in a good way. Like it, it felt like it needed light in some scenes, uh, which sort of took me out of the movie. But this, the soundtrack was good. I'll say that like whoever was doing the music for it, like it set the scene. It wasn't bad, but yeah, (laughs) that's, that's what I, that's what I got. Also, Next time, like, invest money in, like, a good makeup artist. Like, Tom uh, was supposed to have, like, a bruise on his eye. Like, uh, a nigga beat him up or whatever. And they kept talking about it. And I was like, what are they talking? Like, it didn't, it looked more like the nigga was sunburned than anything. 
Like you can't really see the the bruise that's supposed that's supposed to be there. Um, what else? It, it's sort of similar to like if you if you watch uh, a Walk to Remember, Mandy Moore in Shane West's movie. Uh, there's a scene in the school play where Shane West's character um, like got shot, uh, but you can't tell because it's just a red dot on his uh, shirt. Like the director himself on the commentary was like, man, if I would have been able to do it over again, I would have made that uh, more visible. <laughs> it's like that. Like it should have been way more recognizable that Tom got punched in his face. Um, what else? Uh, the effects for the movie weren't good. <laughs> uh, it the the bullets discharging and the the impacts on the walls when it wasn't hitting people uh like technically they did it but it looked amateurish um there's a youtube channel i used to follow um in like the 2010s called wong fu productions and their gun work was amazing like these were teenagers and even stuff because this movie came out in 2020 even their stuff from like 2010s even earlier than that like looked amazing so I I would say again spend some more money to like improve your stuff um yeah all in all uh if you want a movie to laugh at I say check it out (laughs) uh I got it from the Dollar Tree and is 90 minutes. So, yep, I'm out.